What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Jake Podcast. This is February 8th, Thursday night, recording special episode in Spring Lake because I'm taking care of uh, the house while my parents are away. I, I moved back home for a little bit, got some free food, got to hang out with the dog, nothing wrong with that, right? We got episode 37. Not a lot of Browns come to mind when talking 37. Uh, one Clevelander that does is Cody Allen. One of the Indians' closers over the past decade or so that have gotten unfair scrutiny. Uh, a lot of people like to, you know, group him in with, oh, you know, we've had Bob Wickman who starts every inning by putting the first two on, or Joe Borowski who sometimes couldn't find the strike zone, or Chris Perez who was a walking joke, but you know, and Jose Mesa who blew it in the biggest spot in the World Series, but. Cody Allen has been a model closer. No all-star games, but it's tough to make it as a reliever. He's just been wildly consistent. Drafted in 2011 in the middle of round don't know, you know, at the end of the draft. And he was the first player to come into the MLB from the 2011 draft class. Came up later in the 2012 season and... Ever since that year, he's had an under three ERA. He's been nothing but consistent for the Indians, and he still gets crapped on all the time. So I don't know what you're going to do, but uh, but Cody Allen, number thirty-seven episode, you know, makes me think about baseball. We're only eight days away from pitchers and catchers universally. You know, the Indians I think go in on Valentine's Day, the fourteenth. So baseball season's approaching, and. No one's really talking about it because we just finished up with football, which I'll get to in a minute. You know, and basketball is kind of getting into full swing. So baseball kind of gets overlooked right at the beginning, but I'm excited. The Indians are poised to have another very good season. Uh, they're one of the favorites of any division. Uh, you know, you look at the Washington Nationals in the NL East, the Cleveland Indians in the AL Central, and there are a lot of good battles outside of those two divisions, but those two kind of look pretty pretty runaway to begin with not saying it's over completely but those are the two that if you had to pick somebody to come out it's pretty obvious that's going to be them you know and it's still a lot of time before the actual season starts but a lot of big name free agents haven't even landed yet it's kind of weird to be this far along and guys like you darvish jd martinez eric hosmer uh arietta Mustakis, none of these guys are signed yet, uh, and that could be partially, you know, the battle of the market raising and raising and raising, and the owners not wanting to reach it. They, you know, got together in the winter meetings and decided, look, we're not going to let these power agents dictate every year over and over and over again that they're just going to raise the bar just because there's no cap. So it's really interesting to see how this is going to go down, you know, how much lesser of offers these guys are going to take because the season's approaching. Or do they hold out and say, listen, I'm not going to play unless I'm getting what I know is my value. It probably won't reach that point. You know, you'll see guys maybe take a lesser shortened contract where they're getting paid a lot of money up front and you know, the guarantees are always there in baseball, but you see maybe short contracts with really high per year ratings where they can enter the free agency next year or something like that. But it'll be really interesting, you know, going forward because there are some really premier top names out there. And so far, the agents 
are the ones looking stupid because these guys should have been snatched up really quickly and instead they're sitting there twiddling their thumbs, you know, wondering if they're going to have to take a lesser deal. Which is pretty funny because it's very much unlike the NFL, right? So this week in the NFL, there have been a lot of movement with quarterbacks. Alex Smith, you know, 35-year-old quarterback from Kansas City, was traded to Washington and immediately signed a four-year contract there. Now the Redskins have Kirk Cousins, but they basically are saying, listen, Kirk, you're going to demand top dollar go elsewhere, and we'll go get our guy in Alex Smith. Now, I like Alex Smith. I like Kirk Cousins. I like them both, but Cousins is slightly better than Smith. Not by much. You know, Some could say that Alex Smith is better because he played better this year, but Cousins is four or five years younger than him. And how much more is he actually going to demand after this Smith deal? You know, So it's, it'll be interesting because now Cousins – won't get franchise tagged. He will be an unrestricted free agent. And you don't see that out of quarterbacks in the NFL. You really, when you have a quarterback, you lock him up. Now, this was a very weird scenario because, you know, the way he came into Washington where he was the backup to RG3, then he proved to be the starter. They never gave him, you know, the contract he wanted. They kept on franchising him. And instead you realize, wow, maybe they should have given him that contract because now he's going to make more money he is younger than your current quarterback, Alex Smith. And the only reason they were able to get Alex Smith is because Chiefs went out and got Pat Mahomes last year. So it's a really weird circle uh, that's happening right now. So Cousins is going to reach unrestricted free agency. He's going to likely get paid top dollar because that's what happens in the NFL. Jimmy Garoppolo this afternoon just signed the richest contract in the NFL, in NFL history. Now you're thinking, Jimmy Garoppolo, why? You know, like you you see guys get contracts after, like, you know, Brock Osweiler, right? He got that $17 million a year contract after only playing a certain number of games, went to Houston, plummeted, went to Cleveland, didn't even make the team. This was an, an 0-16 Cleveland team, and he didn't even make the team. They just outright cut him, knowing they are going to have to pay every dollar. And yet, he still gets that contract. And Jimmy Garoppolo is now getting $27.5 million a year for the next five years. It's the richest contract in NFL history. He's only started seven games. Now he's 7-0. He really turn the culture around in the Niners, and they have a franchise quarterback in him. So none of that's being disputed here. It's why that much money. You know, he hasn't earned it. And it's not about earning it. It's not about merit. It's about market. And it's basically about your turn. You know, Joe Flacco, when he became a free agent, he set the new, you know, the new bar. Matt Stafford, Derek Carr, these are all guys that set the bar because when they reached free agency, it was their turn. And it's not like, okay, who are you better than? Who are you worse than? And we'll slot it in there. It's, I'm a quarterback. I'm a franchise quarterback. It's time to go pay me. And that's kind of how it's gone. The, and the salary cap keeps on rising. And the value of quarterback keeps on rising as well. So you don't want to lose your guy because you never know when you'll have a chance to get another one. You see teams that don't have quarterbacks like the Browns. You know, the Bears have struggled in recent years without finding a quarterback. You know, the Raiders for a long time couldn't find one. 
these teams that don't have QBs, you don't make the playoffs. It's as simple as that. So the quarterbacks and their agents know that. They set this bar. And even if Jimmy Garoppolo has only played seven games, he sets that new market simply because it's his turn. And the Niners can't afford to lose him. So they go out, they pay him, and guess what? Next year, or you know what? Not even next year. In a month, Kirk Cousins is going to sign a bigger, bigger contract. He sees this contract and he says, well, Jimmy Garoppolo's never been to the playoffs. He's never won a division. I have. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo's never thrown for so-and-so percentages and so-and-so yards. I have. I earned this. Give me a five-year contract. Basically, he's going to be asking for $28, $30 million a year because it's slightly higher than what Garoppolo gets. And what is Drew Brees going to get? Probably the same as that. And next year when Aaron Rodgers, it's time to re-up him, he's going to set the new bar. Now, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the NFL, so that's fair. And this is just going to keep going and going. It's kind of funny how the NF, how baseball stopped and made the market come back down to these players while the NFL is just keeps on raising the bar and reaching new levels. I know quarterback is completely different. It's the most important position in sports, but it's just funny to look at things like that. You know, so it's it'll be interesting. You have Kirk Cousins, you have Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, Sam Bradford, all free agent quarterbacks. You might have guys cut, maybe like Mike Glennon meets the market, and a lot of these guys are just going to get overpaid because of the position they play and the demand out there. You know, you have Arizona, Denver, the Jets, the Browns, the Bills, all all in need of a quarterback. You know, Washington just got theirs, but again, he's 35. So maybe they'll be looking at a younger one to develop underneath them. You know, the Colts have an injured one in Andrew Luck. The Giants, the Steelers, the Chargers, all three teams, old quarterbacks. The Patriots just traded away a franchise quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo. And Tom Brady's not getting any younger. He's 40. So it'll be really interesting to see how much these guys demand because of this older crop of quarterbacks is on their way out. Eli Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger. These guys aren't going to be around forever. They're going to be out, and this new wave of younger quarterbacks is going to take over. Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, they're going to be the top quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, In a couple years, they're going to be the ones setting this bar, setting this market even if they're not the top overall QBs. Now, I didn't want to get away from the Super Bowl. This was a big one, Super Bowl 52. Uh, if you haven't noticed, every time the Patriots are in the Super Bowl, it turns out to be a great game, whether it comes down to a last-second field goal, interception on the goal line, uh, a Giants comeback, a you know, touchdown late in the fourth quarter, with the Patriots, you always get a really good game, and this was no different. Except that this one kind of seemed like the Eagles had it the whole time. It was just, when are the Patriots going to come back? When is this going to happen? Turns out, they never did come back. Uh, they made it close. They had their chances. Late in the game, there was a big defensive play where they got a strip sack and turned into a field goal. Force New England News are all their timeouts, the two-minute warning, and they ended up running out of time and running out of chances. A lot can be said who the game was to blame on. They sat one of their star defensive players, Malcolm Butler, 
for reasons unknown right now because there are players disputing it and that he, you know, some people are saying, oh, he was out too late, he missed curfew, he was caught with drugs, he uh, was dividing the locker room. A lot of weird things are out there right now. And he made it very clear on Instagram that's all fake. And a couple of his teammates liked it and, and you know agreed with him. So it'll be really interesting to see what the truth is here. Because this isn't the first time Bill Belichick has sat someone or made a personnel decision as the coach you know, that uh, might hurt the team. He traded Jamie Collins. Now, a lot of coaches don't get this opportunity because they're not the GM. But Bill Belichick is in this you know, rare spot where he gets to make personnel decisions and coaching decisions. He traded Jamie Collins because Collins wasn't giving the effort that he wanted. You know, and Collins went to the Browns. He got rid of, oh my gosh, I can't remember the guy's name, outside linebacker who now is in Arizona. Uh, he got him from... Syracuse crap. What was his name? Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones. Got rid of Chandler Jones, who is one of the better pass rushers in the NFL. And simply got him because basically to say, we don't need you. He's benched Malcolm Butler in the past. This is not the first time. It was just, you know, he hadn't done it on game day of the Super Bowl in a game that he could have really used him because the Eagles torched the Patriots deep. You know, and not having Malcolm Butler, Nick Foles kind of looked like Tom Brady out there. Anyway, it was a great game. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I had a party with my good friends like I always do, just our small group. And uh, it went well. I host the trivia at halftime, and that was a special one. We did a 30-point quiz, you know, asking different things, you know, whether it's related to the halftime show previous ones, Super Bowl history, the future dates and places of the Super Bowl. Have a lot of fun with it and uh, I'll, 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 you know what, I'll have to share one of the sheets and see what you guys think, see what you guys can do on it and, and see how you do. No cheating, of course. But it was a great Super Bowl. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was nice to see, it was nice to see the Patriots lose because even though I like Tom Brady and I and I appreciate him for everything that he's done and been the quarterback that like you know the type of quarterback I would want to block for, I really was getting tired of the this the just absolute like smug Patriot fans that just think everything beneath Super Bowl victories is is beneath them. And that they're like, no, we our season doesn't start until Super Bowl morning. That's when our Super Bowl starts, or our season starts. So I, I, I was getting a little tired of that. I know I'm a Barstool fan, and a lot of them are New England fans. And they are very loud and proud about it. So I kind of wanted to see them take a bit of a, you know, a punch, you know, take the gut punch that they got. Uh, especially when one of them, Feidelberg, said, we deserve an easy Super Bowl win as if, you know, all the other 31 teams don't deserve a Super Bowl win more than them. I know it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, I think he meant it. But the Patriots lost. The Eagles won. 
I didn't really want to see the Eagles win, but I guess if I had to pick, they were the team I would have gone with. And I have a good amount of friends who are Philly fans that don't rub it in my face, so I guess I'm okay with this. Uh, the other news is that Carson Wentz wasn't even able to play because he tore his ACL in December. Uh, Nick Foles was the one that led him to the Super Bowl, and it's not like they he, he managed the game and the defense won it. I mean, he had to put up 40-plus points because the other quarterback threw for 500 yards. So it's not like the defense won this game. This game was won by good quarterback play. And for Browns fans that see this, they have to think, well, you know what? The Carson Wentz not, you know, passing and you know trading out of his pick doesn't hurt as much today because the Eagles won the Super Bowl with a different quarterback, not Wentz. So maybe you kind of look at things like, and you know what? Maybe the Browns aren't that bad after all because the Eagles were just a really good team that Carson Wentz went to. So just something to think about. Uh, but back to the Super Bowl. It was a great game. It was a gr uh, great little party to have. Biggest thing about the Super Bowl party, though, is not the trivia that I do. It's not the halftime performance that everyone enjoyed out of JT. It's not the commercials. It's the foods, right? Come on. Like, we all know Super Bowl is about the foods. And, and tailgates. You know, tailgates all about the food. So what better than this week's top five as top five Super Bowl tailgate foods? <laughs> Still working on my intro sound to my top five. Anyway, all right, so top five Super Bowl or tailgate foods. Number five is pizza. Now, I say this because anyone can pick up a pizza, right? It's easy. Everyone has different styles, different flavors. It's not really essential because you have pizza at a lot of different other events. So it's not like the essential, but it's always good to have that because... You can have different varieties, and if people don't want wings or if they don't want meat or whatever, they can sit down and they can have pizza and kind of shut up. Uh, we, at ours, we had two different style of pizzas. We had, you know, one of our buddies brought a regular pie, and another one who came a little bit later brought like a chicken bacon ranch pie. Uh, everyone was kind of done eating by then, but you see like the different styles you can bring in. When I go to Ohio, there are tons of different pies going around because pizza in Ohio is different than pizzas out here in New Jersey. It's like a fluffier, thicker crust where it's kind of like, you know, our version of like focaccia bread. And you get to kind of see the differences there. And their toppings are more about it, you know, the different sauces and stuff like that. So, you know, if we go to Youngstown, the pizza game at those tailgates is important because, it's a better tailgate pizza than the pizza out here. I'm just going to say that. Number four on the tailgate Super Bowl food list. I'm going with the dip. Now, leaving it as just the dip because you can go a lot of different ways. Most recently, the dip is, as everyone knows, the buffalo chicken dip. You know, Again, the barstool guys pointing this out that every chick thinks that they make the greatest, bar, you know, the greatest buffalo chicken dip. And I don't know if that's to be true, but I think it's kind of funny because there is always a buffalo chicken dip now. Uh, we have it. It's kind of at every party we do is one of my friends always makes it for the party. And it always is a crowd pleaser because put it in chips, chip and dip. You can put it on if there's like a different slider situation 
or whatever's going on, it kind of like you can put it in your chili or whatever. So it's interesting because you can always use the dip for different things. But dip is just another thing that you can put in the middle of the table. Everyone's bringing chips. You always have a lot of different chips at the parties. It's important to have the dip situation figured out so that you can kind of you know have that going on. And I have it as number four, the buffalo chicken dip or just regular dip. Number three is sliders. Now, at tailgates, you don't, you know, it's tough to make whole burgers for everybody, right? You know, at a Super Bowl party, you know, if you have a whole burger, it kind of makes things difficult because you want to have a little bit, you know, the Super Bowl is about sampling, you know, it's about trying this and that. And if you have a whole burger, you're kind of taking that away. But the slider allows you to kind of pick at things. So that's why I like the slider as the number three. And you can have different meats on the slider. You can have different presentations. You know, whether like chicken sliders or, or you know, burger sliders. At ours, my buddy Brendan made cheesesteak sliders. And he's kind of just like cheesesteak, but he chopped it up into a bunch of pieces. But cheesesteak sliders, nice addition. You can have like pulled pork sliders. Those are always really good. You can have a lot of different meats on there, a lot of different flavors. And... You can have just like one and it not be like, you know, overfilling. You can have a bunch of other things as well. So I got sliders as number three. Number two may surprise you because a lot of people would have it as number one. But number two is buffalo wings. I know. It's typically the number one on every list, right? Every tailgate, every Super Bowl party, you need buffalo wings. Boneless, bone-in. Buffalo, barbecue, garlic, whatever it is, wings are essential, right? But, you know, no one does personal wings, right? They're not personal enough because you just you usually order them, right? Nobody really makes their own buffalo wings and no one really makes their own sauce. So that's why it's not personal enough to be number one because my number one is chili. Yes. Now, not everybody appreciates my chili. And my chili, I should say, is my father's chili. Now, when we make chili, we take the biggest pot we have in the house, put in a bunch of things of tomatoes, vegetables, five different beans, two different peppers, four different meats. We put a lot into our chili. And the recipe is always changing. And that's why it makes the chili special. Now, a lot of people don't like the fact that we use cannellini beans, kidney beans, black beans, pinto beans, garbanzo beans. Not everybody likes all these beans in their chili. You know, they, they want their chili like a chili cheese dog chili, where it's just very simple, just cut up meat and the sauce, and that's it. I get that. There's a play, time and place for that chili. I think when it comes to the Super Bowl, though, you need a heartier chili. Right, you need like, you know, a chili with it all. And in our, our four meats, we always start with ground beef. Then we like to add like a chorizo, some type of sausage. So, you know, chorizo is, uh, you know, a, a favorite of ours. Sometimes maybe like a chopped chicken or turkey, some type of bird. We want to get the bird in there as well. And my favorite to top it off, which has been something we've done a lot recently, is flank steak. Grill that baby up. Chop that up, toss it in. You don't have to grill it up all the way because it will heat up plenty in the in the chili itself. So make it rare, chop it up, toss it in, and everybody likes those chunks of flank steak. 
I mean, you don't get this at every tailgate. This is a very special process. It takes basically all Saturday to make it, so you better have your college football Saturday on at home when you're making all this chili for everybody. So it's not exactly you know as easy as bringing the wings or the or the pizza or, or making the dip because it's a whole process, which is why it's my number one because there's just so much that goes into a really good chili. I know not everybody agrees, and that's too bad because this chili is the bomb. It is spectacular. It's the best. Some people do appreciate it. Uh, you know, my my buddy Tom Scotto, listening right now, big fan of Mr. B's chili. There are a lot of people out there who have never given it a thought because ah, it's not what I want. And you know what? You take that buffalo chicken dip, you mix it in the chili. Go for it. Go a little crazy. That's what I like. That's a big man's chili right there. Anyway, that's my top five Super Bowl slash tailgate foods. Pizza, dip, sliders, wings, chili. In that order. Boom. I like it. Okay, final note on the Super Bowl before we move on. You know, um, a lot of people think the Super Bowl is just one game, right? And why do you think, you know, it deserves all this attention, this hoopla and stuff? And this brings me back to when I worked at the Hoop Group and how it reminds me of the Final Four. It's not just a game. There's a whole event around it. The reason that it's so popular is because there are coaching conventions there. There are awards. There are Radio Row. They have media days. There are so many things that go on. It's an opportunity. It's kind of like the end-of-the-year banquet. It's tough to really compare it to anything because it's on such a high level of necessity. You know, if your team, let's say you are a player for the Detroit Lions, right? Your team missed the playoffs. You are not going to the Super Bowl. You'll still make an appearance because there are, A, huge parties being thrown by ESPN, Sports Illustrated, Fox, Bleacher Report, Barstool. Anyone that has anything to do with football will throw a party. At the Final Four, the Hoop Group throws a big-ass party at one of the cool local bars where you watch. You don't even go to the game. You go to these parties and you watch there. And then after the after the games, there's parties too. It's just, it's a, it's a big networking opportunity. It's kind of a necessity if you want to make it in that industry. You know, you if you want to be in as a coach, that's a good one to go meet new people. If you're trying to sell a product, you know, you're sponsored by Jimmy John's, you go to this radio row and you do a couple of interviews where you get to plug Jimmy John's at the end. It's just, it's so much more, and I, I wish I had this answer for people when they're asking me when I was at Hoop Group, like, why are you going to the Final Four if you're not even going to the game? Like, I'm sorry, it's just so much more than just the basketball game. There are so many things going on, and when we went, it was in Dallas. There's so many things going on that it's kind of just like, it's it's not just a game, it's a whole event. So I just wanted to include that for anyone that was wondering, you know, why the Super Bowl gets so much love. It's just a football game. It's like, yeah, but for the NFL, if you want to make it in the NFL, it's kind of a really big deal. So moving on from the NFL, you know, the NFL is over. It's football season is done. We are entering draft season, which is my favorite, which I'll be covering plenty of going forward. We've got the combine coming up. 
We have free agency coming up. We'll have the draft coming up as well. The NFL season never ends for Jake because I'm a Browns fan and there's always an offseason to be improving our sorry team. And this year is just like all the others where we need to use our assets to get better, but it seems like the opportunity is there more so. They have the most money to spend of any team in the NFL thanks to the Niners' big contract with Jimmy Garoppolo. So they have more cap room than anybody. They have more draft picks than anybody, and they have more high draft picks than anybody. So it's for the taking. <laughs> Go get it, Browns. You know, make us happy. And they have a brand new front office of guys that have done this before that are ready to roll. There are a bunch of quarterbacks that are going to be hitting the free agency market. There are a bunch of quarterbacks going to be hitting the first round of the NFL draft. This is a great year for the Browns that need a quarterback. All the all the pieces are lined up. They've got the money. They've got the picks. There are the guys in the draft, and there are the guys in free agency. Like Usually one of those things would have to go wrong for the Browns to mess it up. So it'll be interesting to see how they mess it up. But for anyone that's not a Browns fan, the football season is over. You're bummed. Maybe you're a fan of The Bachelor. Top seven. Really exciting. Crystal, the bad guy, is gone. Chelsea, the mom also gone you know it's it's interesting because you want to see how far there are characters every year now how far do these characters make it does the bad guy make it to the final four not this year does the mom make it how far does she go you know amanda stanton made it to hometowns uh when ben higgins cut her and that was kind of like a taboo to do you don't do that like if you you got to know early on listen if i'm gonna go meet her kids and stuff I, I this needs to keep going because I can't just you know enter these kids life and then you know cut it off you need to give this mom a fair you know she you can't treat her the same as everyone else it's just not that fair you know and then there's like you know the crier you have the young girl there are always these characters to see how they go it'll be really interesting going into the hometowns the final four not much to report on this week you know, last week was the big one. Next week will be big again. So we will get back to The Bachelor next week. Maybe you watch The Good Place. That just ended. Season 2 just finished up. A lot of really good stuff going on there. They keep on introducing a lot of NBC's finest. You know, uh, SNL alum makes it on there. Parks and Rec alum. Uh, 30 Rock alumni. They, they really keep it in the family there, which I think is awesome because they have so many good alumni of those shows. So uh, I'm not going to ruin anything of The Good Place for you. I think you should check it out. It's on NBC. Uh, so I think you can get it on Hulu. Season 1's on Netflix. Check it out, uh, the, the Good Place. And then coming up, we'll have college basketball. We'll have, like I said before, MLB you know, pitchers and catchers. That's always coming around. Masters, NBA, NHL playoffs, all that. Walking Dead's returning. Lots lots to get to. Just because the NFL's over doesn't mean there's nothing to watch anymore. And I'll get more into that next week. But this was a very big week in sports, so we're going to keep on keeping on with that. Now, today was the NBA trade deadline. And... I have been very quiet about the Cavaliers because I've learned a couple things in LeBron's run, his second tenure with the Cavs. 
Number one, they always have a bad stretch where it looks like they are imploding. And this stretch was longer than most. Now that made me nervous like usual and made me think, okay, I am less confident in them right now, but I'm less surprised because I've gone through this. This is the third straight, fourth year that there's been a stretch in January, February where you want to just like punch a wall watching this team. So I wasn't going to get upset over it, but this team had been playing so bad and the chemistry had been really lacking. And considering how many new faces there were, you thought this might not work. And LeBron's heading to free agency. So what does that all mean, right? Like moves needed to be made. It was time to cut the losses of the Kyrie deal. And I'm glad that they did because today they traded Isaiah Thomas. They traded Jay Crowder. They traded Channing Frye, Dwayne Wade. They traded Derrick Rose, Amon Shumpert. All of those guys, outside of Channing Frye, none of them were helping the team. You know, Wade, I'll give you Wade. Wade and Fry were helping the team, but Shumpert Rose were hurting the team. Isaiah Thomas was really hurting the team. And Crowder, he had been playing a little bit better recently, but for the amount of time that he got and for the amount they depended on him, he was really a, a bummer. Uh, it didn't work out with him. And he wasn't even paying a whole lot, but, you know, the Cavs haul for Kyrie Irving, it's now just looking like, well, that Brooklyn pick better hit. Now, if it hits, they're in good shape. And if LeBron stays, all the moves they make are worth it. You know, that's I, I, I can't stress that enough. These moves, if you get LeBron James to stay and play basketball for your team, no matter whatever you did, it was a win because he's here and he's playing for you. So that's what I got to say about that. Now, who'd they get? They got rid of six guys. They got rid of one draft pick. And they added... Rodney Hood, shooting guard, three-point specialist, who's just entering his prime from the Utah Jazz. He'll be a restricted free agent this summer, so they'll have to shell out some money for him. But he was really starting to come on this year. He's a good three-point shooter. And like we all know, for the most part, now it didn't work with Isaiah Thomas, but for the most part, guys get better when they're playing around LeBron James. And I think that's going to happen with at least three of these four guys that they added today. I like Rodney Hood. George Hill, he's 31. He's an experienced point guard. Uh, in the past, he's shown to be a good defender. He hasn't shown that recently. But even his own coaches that just traded him away said with the right motivation and the right scene, scenario, uh, position to be put in, he will be an effective player, an effective defender. And I, I, I like him as an addition as a point guard. He's... Steady, solid. Not spectacular, but steady and solid. And if he can turn his defense back around to what it once was, then you know what? You got a starting point guard. Then they got two Lakers. They got Jordan Clarkson, another point guard slash shooting guard. He's pretty tall for a point guard and long, can score in bunches. Not exactly the best three-point shooter or spot-up guy. Doesn't really play off the ball a whole lot, but... He adds a secondary scoring unit punch that they were sorely lacking. And another playmaker at point guard, which is great considering that they had no playmakers at point guard. And then they add Cleveland's own Larry Nance Jr., just a kid from Akron. His dad, as many know, is Larry Nance the first, 
Number 22, his jersey is hanging in the queue at Cleveland, for Cleveland. He has been an outspoken Cleveland fan ever since he's entered the league. So it's really exciting to bring Larry Nance back home. Uh, he will have one more year after this on his rookie scale, and then hopefully they'll be signing him for long term because he is exciting. He's in the dunk contest, so that's going to be pretty awesome that a Cavalier will be in the dunk contest. And he'll be probably donning his dad's jersey. That would be pretty cool if they do something like that. Maybe they'll unretire his number 22 for him, for you know both Nances to wear. Should be interesting. Now, a lot of people want to say, "Oh, Kyrie's laughing at this right now." You know, the Cavs just traded, you know, half of their team to get younger. You know, oh, LOL. You know, Kyrie Irving is doing great. I don't. I mean, I wouldn't pick today as the day to gloat. You know, every day for the last six weeks, sure, yeah, the Cavs were spiraling out of control. They had no leadership. There was fighting. There was – it was a mess. And if, if if there was ever a time to think, well, LeBron James isn't going to come back, it was then. Now, the, Cla- the Cavs stopped that. They got their life preserver, and they're back in this with a young, talented core. They still have that Brooklyn pick. They just got two. They got three 25-year-olds who are going to be hopefully here for the long haul because they have basically restricted rights over them. So they're going to be able to build around these young athletic wing-type players. Honestly, you know, if I'm LeBron James, staying in Cleveland looks a whole lot better today than it did last week. You know, they did help out the Lakers. They, you know, they took Jordan Clarkson's money off the Lakers. And gave them expiring contracts. So people are saying, oh, well, you just gave the Lakers a better chance at signing them. That's true, but someone else was going to do it anyway, and they were going to reap the benefit of getting Jordan Clarkson. So why shouldn't the Cavs? You know, the Cavs are saying, listen, we've we're getting younger. You know, they were gonna be the Lakers were gonna free up that money somehow. The Cavs were just willing to be the ones to benefit off of it. Now it's gonna be ironic if LeBron does sign there and it'll look bad. But if you really think about it, and instead of just go for the LOL, lols, Cleveland type you know, return, you'll realize this wasn't on Cleveland. It, LeBron, if he wanted to go to L.A., he was going to go to L.A. It, you know, it, was, it wasn't going to come down to this trade. This just gives the Cavs a better chance of keeping them. That's all. So it'll be really interesting. Uh, I'm going to talk more about the Cavs going forward. I still think... You know, the the East runs through LeBron James, even though he's decidedly seven games back of the Celtics right now. They've got a game with Boston coming up. You know, the Celtics have looked like the cream of the the Eastern Conference this this year. But now with LeBron having more weapons at his disposal, you know, Kevin Love is hurt right now, but he'll be back for the playoffs. Will be very interesting to see how this all plays out. You know, the Eastern Conference for the first time in a couple years is up for grabs. I, I hate to put it like that. I think the Cavs are still the favorites, and I'm, you know, I'd like to see them play with this young group of guys first before I pick against them. But, you know, last year they were the two seed. They still made the NBA Finals. The year before they were the one seed. But the year before that, they were the two seed. You know, Atlanta was the one seed. Everyone forgets that. You know, so the Cavs, who are trying to make it to the fourth straight NBA final, they're not going to be the one seed this year. 
if they get there, you know, in the four straight years, they'll only be the one seed the one time. So it's not like seeding really matters. It's how does this team perform in the playoffs. Now, they don't have Kyrie Irving, and they're going to be going up against them. That's the other thing. All right, I'll address that real quickly. I think a lot of people are harping on the fact that the Browns, okay, woof, that the Cavs, that's how bad the Cavs have made have have been this past year, that I'm saying Browns. The Cavs, when they traded Kyrie Irving, a lot of people are saying, wow, what a bad trade. LeBron ran him out of town. You know, oh, oh why would they trade a superstar? Look what they got. They trade, you know, they got this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, you know, all role players for Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. People keep on heart. Kyrie Irving. It's like, we get it. The Cavs traded away a superstar. But that superstar didn't want to play here anymore for reasons that don't matter. Because if it was about playing with LeBron, if it was, you know, we couldn't lose him for nothing. He was going to be a free agent after next year. And he made it very clear he didn't want to be here anymore. So what did they do? They had to move him. Now, were they going to move him for Paul George, who was most likely going to get leave for L.A. next year? No, they didn't do that. They wanted to ensure that they would have a future. So they wanted to get Isaiah Thomas, a point guard that could also, you know, was an MVP candidate last year. They got a defensive stopper in Jay Crowder. They got a prospect in Zizech, and they got a high pick in the Brooklyn pick. Now, Everyone wants to point out how that how bad that trade looks, right? Zizech doesn't play. The Brooklyn pick, oh my god, it might not be the number one overall pick, which, like, I hate to break it to you, they're really one loss away from having the most losses in the NBA. So it's not like they're way overperforming, okay? They're still one of the worst teams in the NBA, and that pick's going to be high. It's really close to being a top three pick in a draft that is very... Very good in the top three. You really want a top six pick, but if you really could, you want that top three pick so you can get Porter, Ayton, or Bagley. Anyway, and then Thomas, his injury, his hip injury, and the fact that he hasn't gelled with LeBron, that's all hurt. It's all looked bad, but they had to trade Kyrie Irving. And when you have to trade a superstar, you don't get full return. It doesn't work that way in the NBA. You never get a hundred cents on the dollar of a superstar. Uh, you look at Dwight Howard, Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, Chris Paul. Anytime one of these superstars wants to get dealt, they make it clear, and then they have and and, and that team has no leverage over the rest of the NBA because the rest of the NBA says. I'm not going to give you all those picks. I'm not going to give you like superstar players because A, there aren't that many players in basketball. So it's not like you can just trade three stars for Kyrie Irving. It doesn't work like that. The Celtics had the most to offer. They could have traded Kyrie to Phoenix. That's something I wanted them to do. I wanted them to trade Kyrie where he couldn't compete with them. Instead, they traded him to the biggest competitor. That was their biggest problem. But... We'll see what that Brooklyn pick turns into. And we'll see if Kyrie and Celtics can pick, get past LeBron James. You know, they have yet to prove that. So let's just take a chill pill. 
I hate the NBA for the one reason of it gets so dramatic at so many unnecessary times. The Cavaliers' last three years have proven that the season does start in April. So we'll see. This is going to be a lot of fun because even if LeBron leaves, the Cavs at least set them up to have a younger core going forward. So I'm excited to check that out. Other than that, not a lot to report on the NBA because it just doesn't matter right now. You know, it's still just regular season. When the playoffs start, then it will matter. Also this week was National Signing Day. Now, you see a lot of the kids on National Signing Day will sit at a table in their gymnasium with a crowd behind them. Next to them at the table is their mom, their dad, their you know uh, high school football coach, uh, an agent they're not allowed to have, but that is there anyway. You know, a guidance counselor, people that are important to this person. Camera crews on them. Someone at ESPN is asking. Where are you going to be playing football for the next four years? And he puts on a hat of one of the three hats that are sitting right in front of him. And he says, I'm going to be playing at USC. And he takes the hat and puts it on. And they have a lot of fun with it. Some guys who pick beforehand make little videos, you know, whether it's like dodgeball related or like Call of Duty related and have a lot of fun with it. Or they, uh, you know, declare on Instagram. They declare with a bunch of buddies. There's lots of ways to do it. Wasn't a lot of ways to do it when I was picking where I was going to play football. Now, I applied to a lot of schools. I uh, was not of the caliber of the guys you see on ESPN, shockingly. I was a D3 football player. And when I was choosing where I was going to play, it came down to who was going to want me, not who I wanted. Uh, I was applying to a lot of smart schools. I applied and I got rejected and I got waitlisted and it took a lot out of me but I think it built a lot of character in the long run. I applied to 14 schools, I got into two. I was waitlisted at 7 and I was denied from another 5. So it was it was tough. I but I set a high bar. I wanted to go Ivy League, so I applied to all 8 Ivy League schools. And I didn't get into any, but I got waitlisted at four of them, including Princeton, which was a bummer because I really, that was my number one and I really wanted it. And the coaches showed interest in me and they, you know, my dad went there and he played there and we thought it was all going to work out. And then last second they said, you know what, we have spots on the team that we really don't need linemen. So we're, uh, you know, if you can get in and, you know, on your own, you know, good luck and, and we'll, we'll see you, but we're not going to help you get in at all. And then they also said, oh, you should go to prep school for a year and then we'll take you next year when we need more linemen. And I wasn't really into that either. So, you know, the Ivy dream kind of fell apart when I got waitlisted there, you know, and it came down to two schools. It was the two were Johns Hopkins and Catholic University. Both showed interest in me as a football player. I didn't have the National Signing Day experience like that. I chose Catholic because I had an awesome visit there, and they were one of the schools that showed the most interest in me, and I had so much fun. My dad pointed out, if you didn't play football, would you still have fun there? Would you still like to go there? And I said, yeah, definitely, absolutely, and that was kind of my answer. Now, 
It wasn't always that smooth though. When I was getting rejection letters and waitlist letters from all these other schools, I was actually still waiting on Catholic, which was a safety school for me. Not a bad school, but I knew I had the grades to get in. You know, I was a, I was a pretty good student in high school, so it wouldn't wouldn't be a problem. But I had a recruiter at Catholic. His name was Jake Zwag. He was a short, like five one, bald black coach with a really deep voice and like one of those Egyptian beards that they like tie in knots and shit. And when he came to visit me, he gave me a hell of a pitch. And he said, hey, man, hey, hey, Jake, this goat swag. What's going on, Jake? What's going on, man? And I was really excited because I'm like, this guy is showing so much interest in me. He had this whole pitch about how he's getting a bunch of other Jersey linemen and wants us to be like the future of the team. And I was all for it and I was loving it. I'm like, Coach Swag, this sounds awesome, man. He's like, listen, Jake, I'm going to come up to RBC. We're going to meet you and we're going to get you in. And, and this is going to be great. We're going to have a great conversation. We're going we're gonna to get you into Catholic. I'm like, this is awesome. I, I love it. All right, man. He's great. He comes into the RBC library. He's wearing you know, the Catholic University golf shirt. He's talking to the librarian. He's, you know, he's like, you know, chatting it up. And I'm like, this is, uh, this is getting kind of weird. This guy's like, uh, you know, he's like aggressive at the, at the, at the pitch. And he's, all right, Jake, what do I got to do to get you to go to Catholic? And I'm like, you know what, uh, to be honest, I'm, uh, it's, you know, you're one of like two schools at this point. I'm really excited about Catholic. I'm also looking at a couple other schools though. He's like, well, what's it going to take to get you to go to Catholic, Jake? I'm like, all right, well, um, you know, to be honest, my, like my best friend is also thinking about going to Catholic. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, I mean, like if he goes there, I, I, I think I would maybe also go there too. Cause his older brother's a good friend of mine. I have other friends that are going there. Kind of seems like I'm leaning that way anyway, but if he went, I'd probably, you know, also probably eventually choose to go there. Well, he's like, all right, man, well, give me his name. Like, uh, his name's Tom. He goes, Tom what, Jake? There's a million fucking Toms applying to Catholic. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's ridiculous. He's getting in my face in the library. People are turning their heads. This, like, angry little guy is yelling at me. He's like, and remember, Coach Zwag is like a, like a Navy wrestler. He wrestled at Navy, so just remember that. And he's getting pissed off. He's freaking out. I give him Tom Scotto's number. My buddy Tom. I give him Tom's number. <coughs> he calls up Tom and gives Tom a recruiting pitch to come to Catholic. Saying, you know, Tom, if you're a wrestler, if, if you're a wrestler, Tom, I'm a wrestler. Wrestlers make great football players, man. You got you to come check it out. You got to come to Catholic. You got to get your boy Jake down to Catholic too. And Tom's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like, I don't know who you are. What is happening? And I didn't even have a chance to tell Tom. He ended up calling Tom without me even knowing. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I told this coach he could call you because he wants you to go to Catholic so I would go to Catholic. It, what a weird scenario. Turns out he actually gets Tom in before he actually gets – I. He Tom gets his letter of acceptance before I do. And the joke to today is still, you know what? Coach Zwag got Tom in to be a special teams player because Tom was higher on the football list than I was, even though Tom's never played football and I was a direct recruit. So it was just a funny story. I eventually chose Catholic. It was a great call. Even though I didn't play football for four years, I stopped playing. I still had a lot of fun and it was the great it was a great school, it was a great fit for me. 
and it was a really funny story. Uh, and every National Signing Day, I think I didn't put on a hat, but I certainly had some experience like that. So anyway, that's this this week's over. Uh, next week, got a lot to talk about. I'm going on vacation. Uh, we'll have I'll be down there visiting my parents in Florida, where they'll be in Delray Beach. Excited to go down there. Have Kennedy's second birthday this weekend. Valentine's Day next week. Maybe we'll make a couple Valentine's Day questions, answers, emails, stuff like that. A lot to cover next week. So, And we'll get closer and closer to the NFL draft. We'll cover more of that. And maybe there'll be more to talk about on the Cavalier front and the Bachelor. So anyway, thank you all for listening. This was uh, another episode of The Jake, episode 37. Thank you for listening and good night. Waiting for